Hey, kittens, you should be standing at 2306 Market Street in front of the entrance to a large white apartment building right next to the Super Duper Burgers. Face the street and follow the row of palm trees with your eyes all the way to the right to the white building just beyond the trees. See those rainbow flags on top of it? You are standing in the heart of the Castro neighborhood, a gay haven in Mecca since the 1960s. For well over half a century, gay, lesbian, transgender, bisexual, men, women, and everything in between have come to the Castro to find a community and themselves. And that journey has often included speaking out and acting up for our rights and our freedoms. I should know because this is my neighborhood and this is my home turf. My name is Mark Jaquies, but most people know me by my spiritual name, Sister Floozy Flora Goodtime. Taskmistress of body storytelling, hostess of Sing Till It Hurts and Sing It Out, and overall badass. I am a sister of perpetual indulgence. Maybe you've heard of the sisters. We tend to make a big show everywhere we go. Glittered up men and women dressed as nuns in full drag with our faces painted white. Take a look at the picture on your phone. See that big blue-lipped freaky-looking thing with the white boobs on their head? That's me, Sister Flora Goodtime. Ever since our founders first started wearing nun habits on Easter Sunday, 1979, we've used humor, protest, and controversial religious imagery to raise awareness and money for all kinds of progressive LGBTQ causes. Some more conservative-minded folks find our parodies of religious symbols and sexualized religious names offensive. But we're not afraid to shake things up, even when it gets us into trouble. I believe we are 21st century queer nuns on the run, and today I'm going to tell you our story. All right, now turn to the apartment building behind you and look up at the giant stucco-covered Victorian building. Around here, we call it the convent because so many Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence have lived here. Back in 2001, I had just moved into this building before I was a sister or had even met a sister. A year and a half after living in the building, I met Sister Mary Timothy Simplicity, who lived down the hall from me. She was suffering from some medical complications, and I was there to help her out with some medical marijuana. Of course, this was my side job because I was actually a makeup artist in a strip club. I had recently gotten myself clean from doing meth and was finally off the streets. Look up to the top floor of the convent. Now look to your left. All the way to the leftist window, which is above the taco club. That was Sister Mary Timothy Simplicity's apartment, the place where my journey to sisterhood began. That's the path I'm going to take you on today, and introduce you to some of the people and places in this neighborhood that show the sisters' rich and sometimes unexpected history. Hopefully, by the end, you'll understand why dressing as a glittery nun in drag has become one of the most effective and enduring forms of queer activism that has ever catwalked down the Castro. Okay, let's get started. Face the apartment and turn to your right. Start walking towards the sign for the lookout. This big intersection you're approaching is Market and Sixteenth. You should be at the signal. Look at the corner diagonally from you. You'll see a building with a mural on the side of it and a billboard mounted on its roof. That's where we're headed. 
I don't care which route you take, just make sure you watch out for cars, buses, trolleys, and bicycles, because those guys will kill you. And I'll meet you on that corner. Now you should be on the corner underneath the giant billboard. You should see the light pole and flower stand. Continue past the flower stand down 16th Street. Back to 2001. For months, I was smoking out Sister Mary Timothy's simplicity, and every time she kept pestering me to become a sister, but I wasn't interested. My perception at the time was that they were all just a bunch of glammed-up drag queens using charity as an excuse to throw a party with lots of alcohol and half-naked men. I had just given up really hard drugs, so I was trying to stay somewhat sober. Plus, I told her, I don't do drag. At least, that's how I remember it. But here's Sister Mary Timothy to tell you her side of the story as you keep walking straight to the end of the block. I first met Sister Flora through my husband. They were neighbors. Flora was this cute, go-getting, just go, 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 go girl. Like, she did the hustle. She made her money. I was always so impressed with that. And when I first got sick, every day before work, she'd stop by the hospital. And she'd come back after her lunch break. And most times she would come back in the evening. And this was every day, seven to eight months out of that year. And I was like, you know, you really have a calling of a nun. You want to come hang out with us? And she's like, no, I'm good. I think what Flora didn't see was the sisters are kind of like an iceberg. You know, you see the top 10% of us above water, but most of the work, the 90% of it, you don't see it. I think my persistence, hopefully, her curiosity definitely changed her mind a bit. But I'll let her tell you what happened next. Thanks, girl. As you probably guessed, I finally said I'll go to a meeting. But just once. You're coming up to the signal on the intersection of 16th and Sanchez. When you can, cross Sanchez Street and head towards the big gray building with the white trim. I'll meet you on the other side, kittens. You should be across the street. Continue walking down 16th, keeping the building on your left. Once you pass the gray building, stop in front of the mural. Trust me, you can't miss it. Okay, stop here for a sec. You should see a mosaic mural of a giant red figure with outreached arms and snakes for hair. This is what I like to call the Medusa mural. Only, it's not Medusa. It's the Aztec earth goddess Tonantzin. She supposedly got co-opted as the Virgin Mary of Guadalupe. Look closely at the middle of the forehead. You see the Virgin? This is a mural that was done back in 1991 by Colette Crutcher for the people who lived next door and didn't want their garden wall vandalized. But one of the reasons I love this mural is because what happened here during my first meeting with the sisters. For now, turn and look directly across the street at the pretty green Victorian. It's the third one to the left from the intersection. Look up to the second floor, at the window on the left. That's where Sister Gina Tonic lived. She loved Barbara Streisand and, of course, gin and tonics. I remember we all met up there. You would have seen us from right here. It was 2001, and back then, the group was only about 14 sisters, so everyone still fit into an apartment. And during the first half of the meeting, I was surprised to realize this bunch of party and drag queens was actually a legitimate non-profit organization with all the parliamentary procedure and organizational drudgery that goes along with it. They were volunteers doing charity work and raising money, and what's better than having a little fun while helping people? 
Then came the second half of the meeting, Sister Berlesque's black veiling. It was the last step in her year-long process to become a sister. Up in that apartment you're looking at, I watched as the sisters all vote yay on Sister Berlesque. Then we all walked out that front door, crossed the street, and stood where you are now. Now turn back to the mural. Right in between those outstretched arms, that's the spot where Sister Berlesque knelt. Then, the mistress of novices, at the time, Sister Lily White's superior posterior, put a black veil on her. This meant she was officially a sister. I don't know if it was the fey magic or what, but I had a guttural reaction that I felt to my core. Sister Mary Timothy was right. I had been doing volunteer work in a uniform from the time I was a kid. Whether it was being a Sea Scout or Boy Scout or tap dancing with my grandma at USO shows or senior centers, I realized drag might be the most powerful kind of uniform. It screamed, screw you, to all those conservative values that told me my whole life that something was wrong with me. At that moment, I knew that becoming a sister was the natural continuation of what I was put on earth here to do. Okay, now let's get going. Face the mural, turn left, and go back the same direction you came from. At the corner, we're going to be doing another one of those kitty corner deals. Okay, do you see the urbanized optometry? I'll meet you there. Cross whenever you can, using whatever route makes you joyful and safe. All right, you should be across by now. Continue up 16th Street with urban eyes to your left. So, for the next year, I was consumed with becoming a sister. I went through the same four stages a Catholic nun goes through. Aspirant to postulant, postulant to novice, novice to fully professed sister. And each level included more organizational training, more volunteer work, and, of course, makeup lessons. As a novice, I finally got to start wearing the nun's habit and white face, called in-face. When I got my black veil and became a fully professed member, I realized I wasn't just some pretty boy makeup artist anymore. I was a part of a group that had the power to make real positive change. It was one of the happiest revelations of my life. On your left coming up will be a small side street, Prosper Street. Cross when it's safe and I'll meet you on the other side. You should be across Prosper now. Keep walking the same direction up 16th Street. I was 21 when I became a sister. I was one of the youngest sisters at the time. I was in charge of new members. We don't really recruit, but I thought some more younger members would energize the order. Plus, we all agreed that having more sisters meant we could do a lot more good work. Within four years, we tripled in size. Today, we are more than 60. Okay, kittens, Pond Street is coming up on the left. Cross when it's safe and keep going straight or at least gaily forward. Once we become sisters, we get new names. I've been called Floozy since high school because my friends said I danced like one. But the rest of my name came from Sister Saki Tumi. She threw out floor a good time and I said yes, but only if time is spelled like the herb. So Sister Floozy, Flora, good time. And my new life of charity and activism was born. That big intersection coming up is Market and 16th again. Turn left here onto Market. You should see a Fitness SF sign in front of you and the Bank of the West on your left. Continue to the signal at the intersection. Wait for the signal, then cross Noe Street towards the Fitness Center. 
we'll be continuing along Market Street. You should be across Noe. Keep walking with the fitness club on your left. So you should know some people join the order because they want community. Others have so many ideas about helping other people that they need help achieving them. And some people just want to do right. But like real nuns, we all have a call to serve. And our vows pledge a lifelong commitment to our community. And after three years of honoring that commitment, we get a special symbol of sisterhood. A ring made by D&H Jewelers coming up on your left. Stop in front of D&H Jewelers, 2323 Market Street. Cool. Take a look at the window display. Sorry, can't help myself. I love things that sparkle. The D in the name stands for Lindsay Donnell, and the H stands for Sean Higgins. And aside from unusual custom work they do like sister rings, they make only green jewelry. Every piece you see in that window is made from recycled metals and responsibly sourced stones. And if looking beautiful and feeling good wasn't enough, there is a fully licensed wine bar in the back stocked with local wines. Now, Catholic nuns get a ring because they're married to Jesus. But we get a ring because we're married to our community. Take a look at your phone and see the picture of our rings. On the outside of our rings is always engraved perpetual indulgence. But the inside has our name and mine says floozy. Because, as I like to say, there's truth in advertising. If you've fallen madly in love with something in the window or want to check out the wine bar in the back, by all means, step inside. Just pause me now and press play when you're back outside and ready to continue. Are you back outside with me? Great! While facing the street, turn left and continue walking the same way down Market toward the giant rainbow flag. That big intersection up ahead is Castro Street. That's the street where the First Sisters stepped out in old nun habits on Easter Sunday in 1979. Here's one of our founders, Sister Vicious Power Hungry Bitch, aka Sister Vish, to tell you all about it as you keep walking straight to the end of the block. In the uh, early to mid-70s, tons and tons of gay men especially were moving to San Francisco. And we were experimenting with being gay for the first time, openly and freely, and we'd never belonged. And suddenly we belonged to a group, but group think started taking over. Everybody wanted to look alike, think alike, and you know, it was all like mustaches, blue jeans, or leather, but that conformity, it breeds boredom. All conformity does. The only thing I had that looked anything different was some actual Catholic nuns' habits from a drag show. So I told my roommate, says, throw them on, go out and have some fun. So we went to the Castro, and it was like a psychological car wreck. Combining religion with freedom of expression really challenges a whole lot of people's ideas about how the world should be. We came back and we decided, you know, we had a stick of dynamite and we set off to create a group and use it for community service. I mean, come on, men in nuns' habits, if that's not political, what is? Thank you, Sister Vish, for taking your ginkgo biloba this morning. Now let's continue. You should be approaching the giant intersection of Market and Castro. 
To your left, you should see the sign for a bar called Twin Peaks. Most of us call it the glass coffin. Head for that place. Look to your left and pay attention as you cross this small plaza, because even though it's closed to traffic, there's still a trolley that will kill you. Sharp S. You should be in front of Twin Peaks Bar. When it's safe, cross Castro Street and head towards the big white Soul Cycle building. I'll meet you on the other side. You should be across the street. Turn left and start walking down Castro. See the rainbow flags on the streetlights? Just follow those. Within a year of forming, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence were in full swing. By August, we were front-page news in gay newspapers for pushing some hate-mongering Christians out of the Castro. Those haters had made it their mission to come down to this street and condemn all of us homosexuals to hell. So we made it ours to fight back. A dozen sisters in full costume and makeup met the prosthesizers and physically chased and heckled them down the street until they left. Nothing like a few queers and religious drag to get moralistic panties in a wad. <laughs> Can you imagine? By October of 1980, even Herb Cain in the San Francisco Chronicle was covering our events, including our first fundraiser with Sisterly Flair. It was a bingo disco benefit for gay Cuban refugees that raised $1,500, which could have bought a lot of cocaine in 1980. And then came AIDS. Coming up on your right, just past this row of restaurants, should be a modern three-story building with floor-to-ceiling glass windows. Stop when you get there. Okay, you should be at 470 Castro Street, looking at a giant floor-to-ceiling window with a wooden wall and a tiny blue sign. This is Strut, a new clinic under the umbrella of the San Francisco AIDS Foundation that puts all of the Castro's sexual health services into one building. The name was picked to evoke confidence and support, and offers all kinds of STD testing, counseling, free condoms, lube, you name it. When it opened in 2016, several sisters were invited to bless it. Strut's awesome. This kind of place didn't exist when the sisters first started, but it's a spiritual heir to the sex-positive language they began promoting in 1982 with the publication of the Playfair pamphlet. At the time, the city's health scene had hit crisis levels. STDs were spreading at a pandemic rate, and HIV, which was first stigmatized as simply gay cancer, contaminated everyone with fear and prejudice. A couple of sisters who were registered nurses, including Sister Florence Nightmare, a.k.a. the AIDS poster boy, Bobby Campbell, came up with the idea of creating a safe sex pamphlet that could bring awareness and help slow the spread of the disease. The Playfair pamphlet became a landmark publication as one of the first safer sex pamphlets distributed anywhere in the world with sex-positive language. In just a second, we're going to head inside so you can see one of the Playfair pamphlets up close. Head straight to the welcome desk. You should be able to see it from here, right through the windows. Before you go in, make sure to remove your earbuds and let whoever is behind the desk know you're with Detour and ask to see the pamphlet. Don't worry, they're super cool here and I've told them you'll be coming. Go ahead and pause me until you have the pamphlet in your hand. Then press play when you're ready to hear more about it. If it's closed, don't worry, you can just listen from here. 
Hello, kittens, and you should be inside Strut looking at the pamphlet. Go ahead and take a seat under those big pictures on the wall across from the desk, while Sister Mary Media tells you a little bit more about what you're holding. There's also a picture of the pamphlet on your phone. I'm Sister Mary Media, and I was the uh, designer of the pamphlet. And the very explicit message of the pamphlet was, if you find that you have an STD or you suspect that you have an STD, then take it seriously. Don't go out and give it to somebody else. This is just something to deal with. It's just a part of our lives. It doesn't have to be painful and guilt-ridden. The headline, Play Fair. We weren't saying, don't play. We were saying, play in a way that's responsible. The pamphlet's physical form is unique in the sense of medical literature, let's say, because we wanted to come up with a format that would fit in the pocket of people's 501 Levi jeans. And so we came up with an accordion fold that, that did that. Thank you, Sister Mary Media, for all the work that you've done and continue to do. Okay, go ahead and return the pamphlet to the desk. Then walk to the bottom of the stairs near the front door. In a moment, you're going to be heading upstairs. Ideally, you can go all the way up to the third floor and out to the balcony. But if the third floor is roped off for counseling sessions, don't worry. Just head to the balcony on the second floor. Okay, pause me now and hit play when you're out on one of the balconies. You should now be on a balcony overlooking Castro Street. Ta-da! Welcome to one of my favorite views of the city. Look to your far left and you can see the red marquee of the famous Castro Theater. Then, look four buildings down to the right of the theater and you should see a maroon building with the Castro mural. That was painted by Bill Weber in 2012. If you look inside each of the six letters, they have an iconic image representing either the gay community, the Castro or San Francisco. There's the rainbow flag, a streetcar, a disco ball, a red AIDS awareness ribbon, the Golden Gate Bridge, and the Castro Theater marquee. Look at the top of the building and at the top of the mural. You'll see the quote, together we can make a better world. And that idea is what defines this view of Castro Street. Because from up here, it's clear what a special community this is. And if you happen to be up here when it's dark, you'll notice the absolutely magical rainbow lights that light up the entire street. The sisters have filled this street with people on many occasions. A virtual sea of bodies during events and protests. One of my favorites are the monthly street appearances we do in full drag called darshans. In India, darshans are kind of a public blessing, and we do them here to encourage others to be themselves. We've also filled this street with massive vigils for tragedies like the 2016 Pulse nightclub massacre in Orlando, or the ghost ship fire across the bay in Oakland. For the sisters, bringing people together in celebration and protest reminds everyone that we are part of a greater community. If you stand here and put the rainbow flags behind you, it's a great spot to take a selfie. When you're done, make your way back downstairs and I'll meet you outside. Go ahead and pause me now and press play when you're ready to continue. Are you with me outside, Strut? Perfect. Face the street and turn right to continue walking down Castro. We are heading toward the legendary intersection of 18th and Castro. 
Stop when you get there and tuck back towards the Walgreens so you're out of the main flow of pedestrian traffic. Stop here. If there are a lot of people out and about, I suggest you back up against the wall where the Walgreens is so you can still see the intersection. If it's chill, just hang out where you are. Churn so you're facing the intersection. Look diagonally across the street at the Bank of America building. That corner is what we call Hibernia Beach because the Bank of America used to be a Hibernia bank. See how the sidewalk forms a big shoulder right there on the corner? That becomes one of our main stages to parody the church because it's a high traffic corner and an easy way to turn heads to make some money for charity. On Maundy Thursday, which is the religious observation of the Last Supper, we bring out fuzzy dice and play craps on the corner because who doesn't like a little greed and avarice before Easter? Take a look at your phone and see the picture of the dice in action. In 2016, our annual craps game made $800 in just three hours. We used all that money to buy chemo teddy bears for kids suffering from cancer at a local hospital. But saying the Catholic Church doesn't like our antics is an understatement. In 1987, we were officially added to the papal list of heretics. These days, the Pope is a little friendlier in that regard. But if it took 350 years to finally clear Galileo's name, we'll be on that list a while. Now look back at the Bank of America building. Right there at Hibernia Beach also happens to be where I got my black veil. They dressed me in my habit, slapped a black veil over my head, and I felt more satisfaction, love, and fulfillment in that moment than I'd ever felt on drugs. But it was also overwhelming. During the novice stage, it's customary to be accompanied by a sister every time you go out in public, so you don't make an ass out of yourself. But the second that veil got put on my head, all I wanted was time for me and a good cocktail. Even though I'd given up hard drugs, I still love a good whiskey. So I immediately ran to have a drink, unchaperoned, which is what I am going to invite you to do right now. Look straight across 18th Street at the black awning of Harvey's. See it over there? It's a bar, and that's where we're headed. Cross 18th when it's safe and stop when you get under the awning at the entrance. I'll meet you there. All right, stop here under the awning of Harvey's. Even though this bar wasn't the one I ran to when I got my veil, it's still the one that's fun to frequent. The bar is named Harvey's after Harvey Milk, the famous activist from this neighborhood who became the first openly gay elected official. I will also say this bar makes a mean champagne, a champagne martini served in a fabulous glass. If you're so inclined, pause me and go inside and have a drink. I'll be waiting for you outside when you finish. Okay, did you make it back out of Harvey's and feeling refreshed? Great! With your back to the entrance of Harvey's, turn left and start walking up 18th Street, keeping the buildings on your left. Coming up on your left will be the GLBT History Museum. Founded in 1985, the museum updates its exhibits all the time to document the courage and stamina that goes into keeping up the human rights campaign at the heart of the GLBTQ movement. There isn't time to stop now. Keep walking, but I recommend coming back when you have the chance. Yeah, no, sometimes we're even too radical for the queer community. The strongest resistance we faced happened in the mid-80s. The sisters had become popular, and the order had spread to other cities around the world. 
But in 1986, the Toronto chapter voluntarily shut down after the local queer community argued that we took away too much attention from social issues. Oh, and on a little footnote, the Toronto chapter? It reopened in 2011. You're coming up to Collingwood Street. Cross Collingwood when it's safe and turn left at the Molly Stone sign. You should be on the other side of the street now, walking down Collingwood. Keep the street on your left. See the three cement posts in front of you? Walk past those and stop when you get to the heavy-gauged wire gate with a padlock on your right. Okay, stop at the gate next to the brick and white building. This is the Eureka Valley Recreational Center. This place is a community center where kids of all ages can hang out. There's a daycare for younger ones, sports for the older kids, that kind of thing. We do a big Halloween fundraiser every year that kicks off here. Okay, but what I really want to show you is the mural. Look into the alley and to the right on the wall. This mural was all done by kids, which you can tell by how refined it is. I love it. The coolest part is they included a nun. If you can't see her from where you are, take a few steps back and look up to the corner of the mural. See her now? She's in what looks like a red Santa's robe, flying through the air like a superhero. It might be hard to see, but she even has a stone on her forehead and her necklace. And to the left of where it says Eureka Valley are painted the words, To build a community, all must be welcome. And behind all the antics, the parties, the jewels, and the fabulous makeup, that's the sincere message we're trying to send. Okay, next I want to take you to one of my favorite places in the Castro. Facing the street, turn left and walk back the way we came on Collingwood Street. Coming up will be the intersection of Collingwood and 18th Street. Okay, kittens, when it's safe, cross 18th Street and keep walking straight. Okay, you should be across the street. Start walking straight to the end of the block. Keep the building on your left. It takes a lot of dedication to be a sister. First, there's the average of a year-long process to become one. Then, once you're a sister, you're a nun for life, forever committed to community service. This is not for everyone. Because, let's face it, doing good deeds can be thankless. That's why we like to take the time to recognize saints. Saints are people in the community who do service without being a sister. And we believe the more we support and acknowledge these efforts, the stronger our community becomes in the fight against conservative ideals. So while there are currently over 60 sisters, there are literally hundreds of saints, some of whom may live in the houses you're passing right now. At one time, I held the title of Mistress of Saints, which means I was in charge of acknowledging the hard work that people did in the community, but I also had to make it fun. So I would always throw in a little miracle to help prove their sainthood. I'd throw some water on the floor, then make them walk on it and say, you're walking on water, it's a miracle. Because seeing someone smile is the best kind of drug. You should be approaching the end of the sidewalk that dead ends into the big black fence on the corner. Turn right at the fence to cross over Collingwood. I'll meet you on the other side. Okay, you should be across Collingwood. Look for the blue metal fence on the left. Follow that path and continue walking. Continue along the path as it curves to the left. 
You know, the thing I've also come to love about drag as a makeup artist, getting in face is a constant process of seeing how I can continually transform and reinvent myself. If we were somehow able to apply that kind of thinking to gender and morality, we really might see big changes all over the world. Keep following the red brick path. As you walk, look up to your left at the giant rainbow flag. This flag was designed in 1978 by artist Gilbert Baker, who, by the way, was also a sister. Sister Chanel 2001. We'll be stopping at the base of the pole. Okay, stop here at the base of the flagpole, which was erected in 1997. Look up at the giant rainbow flag blowing in the wind. The rainbow represents hope and freedom for all colors and lifestyles. It's most often done in order of red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and purple. Though there are a couple different versions out there. Now look at the base of the flagpole. You should see the plaque that dedicates this flag to the 20-year memorial of Harvey Milk's election to the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. In the second to last paragraph, you can see Gilbert Baker's name, AKA Sister Chanel. Harvey Milk, whose name appears at the top of the plaque in the first paragraph, is a saint. And the fifth name on the list, Tom Amiano, is also a saint. The other names on the list also celebrate some of the openly gay, lesbian, and transgender elected officials who followed in Harvey's footsteps. I like to think we've also followed in those footsteps as activists, just in high heels. Okay, let's get going. Facing the flagpole, turn to the right and head towards the intersection. The big one at Castro and Market. When you get there, stop on the corner near the signal. Okay, look to your left. Do you see that median in the middle of Market Street? The one with the bus stop on it? We're headed to that median. Okay, kittens, go ahead and cross Market Street when it's safe. I'll meet you on the median. You should be on the median. Go left towards the bus stop and pass behind it. Don't worry, it's safe. I do it all the time. Just make sure you step over the curb onto the dirt. See that group of 15 granite posts up ahead? That's where we're headed next. It's called the Pink Triangle Memorial Garden. The park was designed by community members Robert Bruce and Susan Martin and dedicated in 2001. Notice the pink granite triangle on top of all the posts? They represent the symbol the Nazis put on gay people that was then appropriated by the queer activist group ACT UP and turned upside down for AIDS awareness. Follow the dirt path. The garden celebrates the estimated 100,000 gays, lesbians, bisexuals, and transgenders targeted by the Nazi regime during the Holocaust. The sisters have helped tend the garden on the first and third Saturday of every month. Up ahead, you should see pink stones on the ground at the end of the path. Stop when you get there. Okay, you should be standing in the garden surrounded by pink rose bushes. I don't know if they're blooming now or not, but when they are, it smells amazing. The idea behind the garden was that it would be a place of remembrance, education, and a physical reminder about persecution. Now look down at the giant pink triangle at your feet. 
The pink stones that fill it are made of rose quartz, which represents the heart chakra and is the stone of unconditional love. It's supposed to open the heart to all types of love and clear out all the negative stuff like anger, jealousy, and resentment of others. Go ahead and pick up one of those stones. Don't be shy. We put them here so people can take them as a reminder to spread love. As sisters, we don't take a whole lot of things sacred, but as you can probably tell from my love of this place, this is as close as it gets to hallowed ground. When we gather together for a march or vigil, this is where the sisters meet before and return to for reflection afterwards. Rumor has it, sisters have elected to be here perpetually. I can't say for sure, but if you look under some of the bushes surrounding you, there may or may not be some of the ashes of Saint Swizzlestick, Daddy Ken, and Sister Barbie Mitzvah helping those pink rose bushes grow. Many people like to take a moment to reflect while in the garden. If you're one of those people, pause me and press play when you're ready to continue. All right, ready? Head back out of the garden the way you came. I know it's not a great exit path, but there's not much we can do about it. Just watch your step. We're heading back to the end of the median, but this time we'll go left to cross 17th. A wise queen once told me to pursue things in life that were both selfish and altruistic, and the sisters are exactly that. I get to raise a ton of money for charity on a regular basis while parading down Castro Street looking fabulous in heels, lashes, and a little more glitter than you can imagine. And through my 15 years plus as a sister, I've learned that service to my community makes me stronger and more beautiful than I would ever be on my own. Okay, look to your left. See the RC gas station across the street? That's the direction we're headed. So from here, when it's safe, cross the single lane road and I'll meet you on the other side. You should be across 17th Street near the gas station. Proceed to the next intersection. Head towards the Pottery Barn, the big sandy colored building with the clock tower. I'll meet you on the other side. You should be across Castro. Keep the Pottery Barn on your left as you continue walking up Market Street. One of the things that a lot of people don't realize is that anyone can be a sister. We don't care what you are or what you were when you were naturally born, whether you're male, female, transgender, gay, straight, or bi. It doesn't matter. It's about the love. It's about the community and beyond. It's about having the fire to try and make change versus sitting back with your arms folded waiting for change to happen. Thankfully, it's not just me and my fellow San Francisco-based sisters working at this. Currently, the sisters are worldwide. There are right now about 55 orders around the world, and many are popping up in places you wouldn't expect. Birmingham, Alabama, Fayetteville, Arkansas, Greenville, South Carolina... And more recently, it seems like more conservative places make for pretty fertile ground. And one day, maybe fluid gender identity will be a social norm like it is in other parts of the world. Like in Native American culture, where queer folks are holy people, the keeper of songs, or the keeper of secrets. In India, this third sex is called the Hedra, and they live in between both worlds, as both man and woman. 
And in Samoa, gender identity is simply accepted by saying that you feel you are male or female. Imagine if we could all do that. No shame, no guilt, and no longer having to worry about whether you fit in that little checked box that says male or female that is so pervasive on bureaucratic forms. Okay, do you feel a deja vu coming on? You should. Coming up on your left will be the place where we started this detour. Remember the convent where I delivered weed to Sister Mary Timothy? It's just a few steps ahead above Super Duper Burgers. We won't be stopping there this time, so just keep on walking and I'll tell you a little bit more about it. All of the sisters who lived here before me have moved on to other parts of the city or country. Now I'm the nun who lives here. But just as my life has changed for the first time since I came here, maybe the path that you walked here today will impact your life in some small way. Now, before I say goodbye, there's one more sweet spot I want to show you. Keep walking straight ahead to the corner, which is Market and 16th. When it's safe, cross 16th towards the lookout. That's the big gray and red building where we've hosted Benefit for the Boob for the Breast Cancer Emergency Fund. From there, we'll be crossing the next street as well. You should be across 16th Street, heading to the next intersection, which is Noe Street. We will be crossing Noe when it's safe. But if you have to wait for the light, you can always turn around and look up at the convent in all of her glory. You should be across Noe Street safely. Walk straight ahead toward the glass-enclosed patio on the corner with all the plants. Stop when you get to the entrance of the patio on Market Street. Okay, are you in front of the enclosed patio? Great. This is Floor, formerly known as Café Floor, a local gathering spot for decades, and it's been here since the 60s. It's where we hold all kinds of events, including a lot of our saintings. Today, we don't have any events scheduled that I know of, but that doesn't mean you can't go in and enjoy some food, drink, and relax after our walk through the Castro together. It's been fabulous spending this time with you, and because you've now been witness to my story and taken the journey of sisterhood with me, I feel like you've become kind of an honorary sister. And you know what that means. You too should have a ring. I'm sorry, I don't have one for you made out of recycled materials and engraved like mine. <laughs> but if you go inside floor and tell the hostess you're with Detour, I'll have a token ring waiting for you to take as a reminder of us. And hopefully it will encourage you to return to your corner of the world and spread love and joy. Because like they say, millions of snowflakes do cause an avalanche. And maybe one day, we will finally eradicate hate and stigmatic guilt and replace it with love and joy everywhere for good. So, from your favorite floozy, Sister Flora Goodtime, thanks for taking this tour with me, kittens. Mwah! <laughs>